Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. And now, join Kevin Hart as he dives into the minds of some of the world's funniest comedians. This is Comedy Goldmines with Kevin Hart. Welcome, world. Welcome to an all-new episode of Comedy Goldmines, where we do what? Yes. Yes, the answer is correct that I know that you know to say, which is get into the minds of amazing comedians. And oh my God, what amazing minds they are. And today's episode will be no different Legend, you can't say those words if you don't mean it. So there has to be a feeling, a strong sense of not just belief, but one of fucking joy when I when I use it, especially when I'm referring to 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 those that share the passion for the craft that I am in. Ladies and gentlemen, Eddie Griffin is on the goddamn show. What's up? What's up? What's up, y'all? Hey, Kevin, what's going on, man? Man, brother, when I tell you, uh, I'm happy as hell to talk to you because. I know the stories, the fucking, the journey. It's not just interesting. I've yet to hear it through your goddamn, through your words, through your vision, man. And uh, and talking like this to you is something that I'm going to enjoy. I know it. Um, for my listeners, man, you're from Kansas City, right? Is yep, it Kansas, City? City, yeah, Kansas City, Missouri. Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, Eddie, how long have you been doing comedy? True to the game. Uh, shit, about... 38 to 39 years, almost 40 years. Almost 40 fucking years, man. 40th anniversary is coming up. Uh, for that, what will you do? Is there a big celebration? Is there something in mind? Uh, hopefully I will uh, be on stage somewhere the day that, that it goes down because, you know, I'm still in love with the, with the craft, man. So, you know. Still. Still on the road too. Yeah. Still on the road. Um, yes, yes. You were going, you were doing the, the tour and, and this is just, you know, V coming off my, my knowledge because I follow you guys. It, it was the- Oh, the Comedy Get Down tour with me, George Lopez, DL, and uh, Cedric. Yes, you guys did that. And the late, great Charlie, Charlie Murphy. Rest in peace. How many rounds did you guys do though? Because that tour, you guys had that out for a minute, right? <sighs> We did uh, about five years. Five fucking years. Whose idea was it to put it together? Uh, I think it was a collective uh, idea. We were we we were doing a, a tribute show to Richard Pryor in Peoria, Illinois, to raise money for that statue. Yep. So we all went out drinking after after the show, and uh, they said, "Yeah." And George, George said, "You want to take it on tour?" And Cedric said, "Favorite nations. That's how it happened." Get out of here. That fast. Yeah, that fast. And and how did you guys? How did that group basically? Like the decision to raise money for the statue, um, was that a collective idea as well, or did somebody reach out to y'all? How did that come about? Uh, Richard Pryor's wife reached out to me. Okay. And uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't know who else was on the show or, uh, or nothing, you know. And uh, we got there, you know, you know, you know, comedians get together, we get divided. You, I mean, look, it's the best setting in the world—a a, a room of funny, especially with uh, with, with some connective tissue, people that get along. Um, you know, those nights can go for fucking days. They turn into days of just banter. Turned into five years. Five fucking years, man. But it's such a great yeah. group, right? Like it's such a it's a it's a great piece of synergy through you all because none of you are the same. None of you have the same styles. Um, everybody has a different approach to that craft. So uh, I think that's why you guys had the success that you had and, and for the duration that you fucking had of that. Um, you being on stage now, are you out now solo or, or are you out with somebody now? I got a residency here in uh, Las Vegas. I, I moved to Las Vegas. I, I had a residency out here at the Sahara for 14 years. Get the fuck out of here. That's so strong, man. Yeah, 14 years. I do uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, sometimes Thursdays. And then I still travel on the weekends. Give me the difference in the world of residency in Vegas compared to the actual road. Although you're doing both, what's the difference in the two for those comics that may just want to know? How would you explain the difference? Uh, Vegas, 
you're getting a collection of the world in your audience. I mean, y'all got okay. motherfuckers from Egypt, Bangladesh, Africa, China, everybody's <laughs> in the motherfucking crowd. So you, you know, you gotta have a worldview which which is human. When you're on the road, you you know, that crowd is from Iowa. Uh-huh. So you better zero in on the Iowa sensibility. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know this, you know, if you're in Kansas City, you know, Kansas City got a certain sensibility. You know, New York's got a certain sensibility. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So yeah, that that's that's the biggest difference to me. You got a universal side of it, Vegas. You're getting a, a plethora of of so many that are coming to this fucking to this goddamn city, and being that that's the case, you want to be universal. Here's the big question, right? And I've always, you know, I've thought about this myself because you know it, it is now becoming something that's of interest, right? Like when you you get to a certain point in your career, that wear and tear of, of bouncing around, you know, it's like you want to do it because you love it, but how often do you want to jump on the plane? How often, uh, you know, do you want to get up in the morning, get the bags together, be at a different hotel, et cetera, et cetera? So with they Vegas presents is so fucking dope because there's some stability while you still get to do the thing that you love. Um, my question for you is, is it ever a moment where where it's a like uh, where it's a groundhog day ish feel of the the building, the fucking hotel, you know, walking in the same place, doing that same stage? Or do you find that new energy every single time? Oh, I find that new energy every single time because every audience is different. Yeah. Every motherfucking audience is different. And, you know, I, I've never written a joke. Everything y'all ever, you ever seen me do is off the top of the dome. I'm naturally retarded. <laughs> so I feed off of the audience. You know what I mean? I have set pieces that I do. You know what I mean? I have set pieces that I, that I get some go-to shit. But other than that, I'm just feeding. I'm just feeding. And uh, my brain works in pictures. So, you know, I, I could look at some news and I, my brain says, fill in the blanks and what's missing. You know what I mean? And then that's, that's where the humor comes from. And then I work the material out on his feet. That's pretty insane, man. It's insane that you say that. I mean, look, that's the. I mean, that's something that I'm. I'm quite sure all comics wish they could tap into. You know, the ability to go off the cuff, be off the cuff, and like you referred to it, off the dome. Um, you know, that's where I think the the best flourish. Right? They they flourish being on their feet and being able to react. Oh man, I, I don't don't act like you don't do it. I've seen you do no, it. Absolutely, like absolutely, you yeah. all do it. But you gotta, you know, when you when you hear somebody speak of it. It's it's just a it's a dope ass thing to know. Like within the craft, there's the ability that some have to fucking go in and out on the on the fly, right? And and you not just doing it and have done it for so many years. Like what what I want to do now, man. I want to fucking just I want to give you flowers, not just because of your success, but because of all the tears of success that you fucking touched, right? And I want to go back now. To, to Eddie Griffin and I want to go to the earlier days of Eddie Griffin the comic fucking coming on the scene uh the, the specials the fucking you know that that the hat the flair like there was so much pizzazz that you had about you um your introduction to Hollywood right you you are one of the few that had a TV show you had a TV show and you had seasons um on a TV show talk to me about the beginning stages of that right your transition from this this comic star that's now on the rise and now being accepted um, by the powers to be in Hollywood. What was that time like for you? Ooh, that was uh, that that was that was a strange time in my life because I really did not want a TV show at all. Okay. Because I, I felt I felt that it would uh, constrict me. You know, I like going raw raw dog to the cuff. You, you know, yeah. Yeah, I like to say my, my niggas, my motherfucker, all my shit. Yeah, yeah. And TV felt constricting. But the way it came about, I was doing a show at the House of Blues across the street from the comedy store. Okay. And I had had a band at the time. You know, I don't know if you know, I play instruments and, you know, I, I, I do music also. So I had a band. So George Jackson and Doug McHenry was managing me at the time. Those are the two biggest black producers in Hollywood at the time. They did all the, you know, uh, Fridays and all, all that shit. Uh, uh, no, not Fridays. Which one they did? Um... The researcher, they did some movies. My my man, my memory's <laughs> fucked up. So anyway, <laughs> they did they did they did that one with uh Wesley Snipes in it. Okay, okay. You know uh, that, you uh, about his big one? Are you talking about the yeah big the big one? one. New Jack City, New, New Jack, Jack City. City. Okay, and Jason's okay. leg, Jason's leg. So that, okay. that's them. Okay. So anyway, uh, 
Uh, I did a show, I, I had the band, I did an hour stand up and then I did an hour with the band. So Eric Tannenbaum, who was running Sony Pictures at the time, was it was in the audience. So uh, he, he hit George up, yeah, I'd like to get his kid a TV show. So uh, I met with him the next day and then they said, but you don't have a Q fact. I'm like, what the fuck is a Q fact? I didn't even know what the fuck a Q factor was. Uh -huh. I mean, somebody asked the question, would you, would they know who the fuck he is? I uh -huh. said, I guess not, motherfucker. So then they said, you got to get somebody with a Q factor. So I was at William Moore's agency, right? Okay. So they was like, me and Tupac. I'm like, nigga, that show will be canceled after two episodes. You can't have two volatile niggas on the show. So then uh, uh, they said, uh, uh, oh, they said, uh, Malcolm Jamal won. I said, uh, you talking about Theo? Yeah. I said, yeah, 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 that's, that's a good look. So Theo came in uh, about a week later. We sat in the William Moore's office, him as manager, all our agents and shit. So I pulled Theo to the side. I said, fuck all these managers, fuck all these agents. Let's me and you go have a couple of drinks and powwow. So we went and had some drinks. As my grandfather told me, if a motherfucker won't drink with you, you can't trust him. Okay. Needless okay. to say, nigga, uh, uh, Malcolm could put him down. That yeah. motherfucker drunk about seven martinis. Yeah. Yeah, had a good time. Patron, I said, oh, he got some nigga in him. He got some nigga in him. <laughs> and that's how the show started. That was your test. That was your test right there. Yeah, yeah. A great combination just because you wouldn't expect it, right? And and give me, a, for, for my listeners, man, he's talking about a show. It's called Malcolm and Eddie. Um, and, you know, this is Eddie Griffin's TV show. was getting it lasted. It lasted for quite some time. A very, very successful show. And and the network at that time, was that was that UPN? yeah. It was on uh, You Pick a Nigga. Yeah, You Pick a Nigga. You yeah. Pick a Nigga. Yeah, You Pick a Nigga. That's what UPN, You Pick a Nigga. They had short ones, fat ones, skinny ones, old ones, young ones. Yeah. The crazy thing about UPN, man, when you think about it, like it's no longer here today. But when you look at the lineup of television that presented itself on that network, I mean, it was strong when you talk about people of color, right? Like we, yeah, yeah, we had a we had a real presence on TV, uh, in a place where you know outside of BET, which still stands today, but a place where you can go. Oh yeah, they 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 love to use us to build networks on. Once the network's built, then they switch back to the business as usual. Yes, pure. Then it's it's okay. Well, we've got to a place where we have the audiences. Yes, and now yes. we go and we we switch to uh, the regularly scheduled program that that we want it to be. Uh, <laughs> yes, it's, yes. It's, it's it's one of the coldest moves um, that you'll see in Hollywood. Yeah, they playing chess, not checkers. That's, absolutely, it's it's the long game. Yeah. Um. You do this show. You and Malcolm have success. The show ends up going away. Um, a lot of times, you know, for actors, actresses, when this when this type of uh, situation presents itself, well, it's catastrophic, right? Some fucking fall. There is no life after. Oh, my God, I'm ruined. What's going to happen to me now? What was life for you like after that time? It was a breath of fresh air. Okay. Yeah, it, was, it, it, was, it, was, it, it, it ended at the right time. Okay. What do you mean by that? I think it had ran its course, you know, because there's only so long two grown men going to live in the same damn apartment. Yeah. When we were successful, I, I had a successful tow truck business. He had a successful bar business. Why the fuck are we still in the same apartment? Why are we still roommates? So it, it had ran its course because, you know, they stopped running out of stories. Yeah. Yeah. So then they start rehashing the stories from season one and put a new, new dress on it and shit. So no. So it had ran its course, but you know, me and Malcolm, we still cool. We still tight to this day. So, That's dope. You know. That's dope as hell. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. You know, it's, it becomes a family. Absolutely. I mean, we spend that you time. Know, time I, I was his retarded big brother. And he, <laughs> he was my smart little brother. <laughs> so the TV show, it elevates the world of comedy for you. I mean, now, you know, you, you got more eyeballs on you. Uh, you get back out there, you're back on the road. But now uh, let's talk movies. The fucking world of movies comes. Until this day, until this day, I will stand on a podium and I will speak passionately about Undercover Brother. I will, when I, when I tell you the best cold crack when it comes to that parody-like satire film, that you ground. This character was so dope because you grounded it. You grounded it with performance. The, the, the writing was fucking grounded and you believed it. 
where the jokes were supposed to be. They were. It just did not miss, man. Um, you got to talk to me about how Undercover Brother came about. Like, what what was the origin of how this thing came together? Mm. Well, uh, Eddie Murphy pretty much uh, nailed that role for me. Okay. Universal had the script and they were thinking about, you know, doing a movie and they and they asked Eddie if he would do it. He's like, oh, no, this this ain't me. Yeah. This is Eddie Griffin. And I came wow. in. I, yeah, yeah. Eddie, Eddie Murphy did that. Wow. Wow. Yeah. He said, this ain't me. This is this is this is this is Eddie Griffin. So uh, I went in, I met with uh, the producers and uh, nailed the audition, you know, because, you know, you know, I'm just cool like that. In order to play undercover brother, you just got to be naturally just a cool, calm, collected type dude, you know. Eddie, it was so it was so good because it can go the other way. If you yes. try to go, if you try to overdo it, it it's 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 not yeah. going to be. It it would sink. Yes, yes, yes. Like you and and I'm I'm telling you, man. We it it was. You just you can't. You can't imagine anybody else in the part after mm. seeing you in the part, right? Um, you said Eddie, Eddie's the one that did that. What was your Eddie's relationship like? Were y'all cool? Yeah, we was always cool, man. Uh, when I was working out at the comedy store the first years, uh, 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 when I first got to town, and Eddie uh, would come down and, and check me out. He's like, hey, I remember one night he told me, nigga, you ready for the world, nigga. You ready for the damn world. And, wow. And we took me out to uh, eat sushi. That's the first time I ever had raw fish. Uh -huh. And we we left from the comedy store. We went across the street. That sushi on Sunset. Uh huh. Uh huh. So we sitting there, and I said, "All right, we gonna eat. We gonna eat." And they start bringing out these little tiny pieces of raw fish. I'm like, <laughs> "I said, when they gonna cook it?" <laughs> and Eddie started cracking up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, "When they gonna cook it? When they gonna cook it?" <laughs> I said, "I ain't eating this shit." He said, "Just try it." And they got tried some uh some unagi. That's that eel shit and some uh, yellowtail with jalapeno. I've been hooked on sushi ever since. Ever since Eddie Murphy introduced it to you, you never look back afterwards. Yeah. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert. And I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure. Because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show, because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. What sparked the move to L.A.? Was that a was that just a random thing? No, I was a big fish in a small pond. I was doing a stand up back in KC and I had my own local TV show, you know, uh, the Eddie, Eddie, Eddie Griffin talk talk show. Nigga, and, and my mama said, all right, nigga, you a big fish in a small pond. Won't you go to one of the coasts and see if you a whale in the ocean? Damn. And that, that, you know, you know, mom, she, she got a way of putting shit, nigga. Yeah, she like, no, uh, that's, look, as, nigga. that's as clear as day to me. I understand yeah. exactly what it means. So I, I jumped on the Greyhound hemorrhoid bus ride. <laughs> Cause you know, you know, <laughs> I couldn't afford no plane ticket, but nigga, I, I took the hemorrhoid uh, bus ride and they stopped at every gas station. I was going to say, nigga, would it take you two weeks to get there? How long, how long did it yeah, take? It took get? about two and a half weeks. <laughs> I ain't bullshitting. Two and a half more weeks, nigga. I almost stayed in Colorado Springs. <laughs> <laughs> so I finally, finally made it out there, and uh, uh, yeah, you know, I was I was homeless for like a month. Really? When I first got out there, you know, because I, I was staying out in Compton with my uncle Bucky, but you know, he had went to the penitentiary, and you know, there's a lot of drugs being dealt out the house. They get a drive-by on the crib when I was inside. We were watching Eddie Murphy uh, Delirious at the time, and they just brrr, sprayed it down. Everybody laying on the floor, still watching uh, Eddie get down. 
And I got up, I said, I can't live like this, y'all. So I packed my bag and I, uh, I went downtown to the shelter. And then uh, after a month, I finally got two jobs. I was working at All American Chicken, All, All American Pizzeria at the Bonaventure Hotel. And I was delivering pizzas and I was uh, doing security at the hotel that I was staying at. So then I uh, finally seen this drama log and it said the comedy store. I never heard the comedy store because it was never on TV back home in Kansas City. I, I had no clue that the shit even existed or the improv. So I said, oh, the comedy store. So I got, got on the bus, went to Hollywood. And uh, I, I called the comedy store. I said, yeah, uh, this is Eddie Griffin. I, I'd like to showcase for the, for the owner, Missy Short. They like, uh, well, he had that played in three major clubs around the country. Uh, you know, I said, oh, really? Hung the phone up, called back 10 minutes later, playing like I'm my manager. Hello, this is Eddie Griffin's manager, and he's performed. I'm reading out the drama log. He's performed at the Funny Bone. He's performed at the Improv. Yes, yes, yes. He's a wonderful, wonderful talent. You, you should check him out this evening. So they gave me an audition at 7.30. So I'm just hanging out. 7.30 came along. I went up, did five minutes, blew the spot up. And Mitzi, you remember how Mitzi used to talk? Absolutely. And uh, she said, oh, my God, you got more time. You're picking anybody seen in 10 years. You want to work for me? So I said, can somebody translate? I can't understand what the fuck she's saying. So, <laughs> so the manager said, I think she said, she, would, you, uh, she, uh, would you like to work for her? I said, hell yeah, I want to work for her. Tell her I got a problem. I'm homeless. And wow. Missy took me off the streets, put me up in Crest Hill. And that's wow. how the whole shit kicked off. Wow. I mean, this is why I do the podcast, man. I swear to you, this is exactly why. I mean, you don't... It, it, people really have no idea of how fucking crazy the road and journey is for the fucking comedian. Man, I mean, that, oh, I got to give you your flowers. That piece that you did on Netflix, bruh. Oh, thank Bruh. you, man. True story. Bruh. Thank you. Thank you. You did an Oscar-worthy performance. When you choked out that Italian dude, nigga, I said, this motherfucker's crazy. <laughs> nigga. And then you shot your brother at the end, nigga, dropped the gun yeah. and walked like a soldier should. I said, nigga, bravo, bravo, <laughs> bravo. I appreciate it, man. Means, Hell yeah. Means the world coming from you, dude. Hell I, uh, yeah. I'm I'm a fan. I'm I'm a student uh of comedy, but I'm I'm a bigger fan, man. And you know, look, when you when you see when you see the examples of, you know, the pioneers 30, 35 years, like you said, 40 years, and still getting on that stage, still still slinging jokes, but still still loving the craft. Um, you know, those are reasons, those are reasons for me to smile. That that shit motivates me. And I, I can only hope that I'm at the same space and condition when I get to a certain age. Um, as as you guys, like and 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 you look good. Like, no, well, thank you. You don't, shit. You don't you look don't, too bad. You don't look like, yeah, you don't look like life is is kicking your ass, man. You look good. You look. No, happy. it's not. No, I, I, you know the way I live my life, nigga, is let the positive shit stay in and fill your spirit up. Let the negative shit go in one ear and completely out the other. You should not let anybody get any airtime in your mind with negative bullshit. It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. You, you, I mean, look, it's the right mindset. Um, when you, when you speak that way, though, of course, it comes from dealing with the negative shit and possibly handling, handling it, uh, wrong. Did you go through a whirlwind where you felt like the negative, um, was taken over or, or? Oh, hell yeah, man. Yeah. That's, that's far for the course. Yeah. You know, that, that, that I'm sure you, you already went through that early on, you know what I'm saying? which is why your career, you're doing everything right, my brother. Thank you, man. Thank everything you. right. Thank you, Because man. you done already went and dealt with that shit. Mm -hmm. Me, fame was thrust on me so early. Nigga, and nigga, I had to go through this shit while I'm famous, nigga, yeah. and it did. I, I lost my mind. Yeah. Give me I give me an example of of your worst moment where where you're like, I, I fucking checked out for a minute. I, I truly lost it for a minute. Mm. I was in South Africa. I was shooting this movie called Blast. Mm -hmm. And uh, we went out clubbing. And uh, these Madagascan dudes, I didn't know the Madagascans ran the, ran, uh, the drug trade over there. Mm -hmm. So I had the dumbest motherfucking security guard in history. He liked to do one-arm push-ups 
in front of everybody trying to test their skills. And he always like, what's your style? What's your style? So the Madagascar showed him the style by pulling a pistol out on this motherfucker. So nigga, I'm drunk, high out my motherfucking mind. And I charged the motherfucker with the pistol. This is why I got stitches right here. That wow. motherfucker hit me in the head. Wow. With a four five. Wow. But he dropped the gun because I thought he was trying to aim at my baby brother's uh, uh, chest. And, you know, I wasn't about to lose another brother because, you know, my mother, she got two kids left, me and my baby brother. If he show up dead, I'm dead anyway. So I might as wow. well just charge the motherfucker with the gun. Wow. You come from a family of how many? Six. Six of y'all. Yeah. My mother has lost four. RIP to all those uh, that were lost. Um, younger in your life, but what part? What part of your life? Uh... My sister, uh, she was the oldest, mm -hmm. and she died of breast cancer like uh, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and my oldest brother, his brother, his name was Luther. He was born a set of triplets. And my mother lost two of them, one right after they, they were born and one a week after they were born. So Luther was a survivor. Damn. And uh, yeah, so now it's just me and my baby brother. And, and... You know, that relationship, I can hear just from what you just said, like my mom was about to lose another one, right? I, I can only imagine that you guys are extremely close. What what role has he played in your world of success and growth? How close has he been to your success? My baby brother? Mm-hmm. Man, uh, can't do it without him. That's dope. Can't do it without him. That's dope as hell. Was it just mom or was it mom and dad? It was just mom. My dad, he was a sperm donor. Okay. Okay. Yeah, he he dropped some nut off and left. And 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 got up <laughs> out of there. And your relationship, <laughs> your relationship with your mom, uh, as hell, strong ass woman. Oh yeah, she's strong. She 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 she's strong. She raised all of us nigga, by herself. Um, you know, uh, I moved moved her out here to Las Vegas to keep her close. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, she ain't going to no home ever. Mm -hmm. uh, if she she feel like she 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 she's slowing down because she ain't slowed down yet, mama get up at five o'clock every morning. Still. Jump in the car and ride out. Still. Still. Wow. Yeah. Um, right now, you know, what's the what's the world, what's the world of of now for you, right? We know you're in Vegas. Uh, we know that you're in a residency in Vegas, but you know, the, the, the side of living, uh, that helps keeps you at peace. What, what are you, what are you doing? What's the, what's the other hobby? Something else is happening because you just, you're so fucking, you're so poised. You're so Zen just in, in comfort. I can, I can just see like, there's a nice sense of happy to you. So what's the what what are the other things outside of the business? Uh it's my beautiful wife, man. Uh I got a I got a, a beautiful wife. Her name is Cole Griffin. Mm -hmm. Uh she's Korean. Mm -hmm. Uh you know, I don't care what 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 a race is. She she's 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 dope as fuck. Uh, it's my two daughters, Leah and Naomi. Uh Leah's uh just got accepted to Syracuse College. Well, congratulations, man. Uh, Naomi's brilliant, brilliant. Uh, there's my son, Michael, uh, whose hands is, I think I, got, I, think, I think I got a Walter Wade champion. Woo, boxing. Uh, yeah, 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 his hands is nice. Yeah. How long, how long has he been boxing? He's been boxing for six years. He's, he's, only, he's only 12. That's big. Yeah, 12. And he's a That's southpaw. Big. He's a southpaw. How did he get into boxing? Just stumbled on it? I put in, you know, I put all my kids into boxing. You know, that self-defense is is self-confidence. I've heard, I've heard that you got hands. Uh, you know. I've heard that from the shoulders, you're you're where you're supposed to be. The the word on the street is uh you and Martin are are two comics that were known to to throw some uh to throw some hands. Uh, you know, correctly, the right way. That that's that's word on the street. But yeah, you know, uh, growing up without a father, you know, I had to box. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. Because you know, I've, I've I've always been small in stature. You know, when you small, we can't intimidate nobody. Yeah. This is why most big motherfuckers cannot fight because they've been intimidating their way through life. Ooh. 
We can't do that. We have to really toss them. So, yeah, you know, but that aside, my son Michael, nigga, I think I got a, I think I got a Walter Wade champion. And then there's uh That's strong. My 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 my, my youngest son, uh Miko. Me and Cole's first. Okay. So you got and, so you uh, got uh that, four kids total. Yeah, no, I got eleven children all together. Eleven, good shit. Yes, I got eight Fuck boys, you. three girls. Eight boys, three These girls. These are the ones that are living here with me. The rest of them are grown. Okay. Okay. You know, that's my first crop. This is my new crop of kids. Now, now, what what's the what's the world of, of connective tissue with the crop? Are you together? Do they do you get your time where they all come to dad? Oh yeah, no, no, no. All my kids, they no, all, all of them had spent time with daddy. That's dope, man. That's fucking dope. Because, you know, not growing up with a father, I made a promise to myself. I'ma always be the father that I always okay. wanted. I love it. I love it. I love that, you know, not only I love that you celebrating it, right? Like that first of all, that's a lot of kids. All right. It's a lot of goddamn kids, but they get the dad, they see dad, they they definitely are 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 love dad. They love dad. Um, that's what you yeah, want people. Dad, to dad, dad loves that's it. Dope, man. Good for you. Anybody know me? I'm all about my kids. Don't 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 come fucking with me about my kids. I'll bring it to you. Uh, I want to get back to your son boxing for a second, man. Um, you said you put a minute. Where where right now? Um, is it is it is it competition? Uh, what 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 do you have him in? Like when when you say you feel like you got that on your hands? What's he competing in right now? <laughs> He's bad. Yeah, bad man. See, no, no, no. I'm, I'm gonna keep it private for right now okay, because you. you know he, he's you. young. He's young. Got you. Got so, you. So you know, but yeah, he's competing and he's whooping ass. Got you. But yeah, you know, we, yeah. I don't want to put the. I like. I like. I get it. I, I'm. I'm. I'm picking up what you. What you. What you just laid down. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. You know me. You know. I chose to be famous. My kids have not didn't. yet I, chose to be famous, yeah. but when they do, I'll tell you everything. Absolutely. You. You're. You're. You're being reserved for for a good reason about it. Um, has yeah. your has your fame affected any of them at any point? Uh, did it ever present itself to be too much for for you or your family? Oh, my youngest daughter. She she. <laughs> when we go out to dinner now, my youngest daughter is uh, Naomi. She does security better than security. Okay. okay. Now you know when you out at dinner, you I'm sure you've been through this with your family. And you know the, the the crazy fan, they damn near come and sit at the table with yeah. you. You know what I mean? Hey, yeah. Eddie, hey, 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 hey. My daughter, like, uh, excuse me. He's eating. Y'all get him all the time. It's my time. Yeah. If yeah. you'll excuse yourself, and how they gonna how they gonna get mad at a, a little girl telling them that they can't? They be like, oh, oh, my bad, my bad. All right, Ed, I just want to let you know that I love you. I, 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 cool. So I, I try to take her everywhere with me because she does a hell of a job at security. Security job is to diffuse a situation, not jumpstart a situation as my old security with the one-arm push-up <laughs> crazy motherfucker did. <laughs> 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 crazy motherfucker. You go through, I mean, you go through that period where the, the people that you have with you on the road, man, these it's very hard to manage these personalities. So I'm laughing because when you go, this motherfucker, goddamn it, man, when I tell you so many problems came from this goddamn jacket, like I relate because I too have. It takes a minute to get quality security because one thing I learned, you never hire karate motherfuckers <laughs> to do security. They always going to start some shit to try to prove they worth. And then they end up getting knocked the fuck out. <laughs> now you end up having to do security for security. Yeah, he's, you don't want a karate man. No. You, don't, you don't want a karate man ever. No, no karate, ever. no kung fu, none of that shit. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. 
let, let's talk about let's talk about the state of comedy today um you know comedy just where it is in general man uh what do you feel how do you feel about the new generation of comedy you know i mean now like you said you're you're a pioneer you're a fucking legend looking at these younger comics come up uh looking at the success of the new looking at how it's changing looking at what the internet is today um you know is this something that you're blown away by uh are you supportive is it like what the fuck is happening this generation is what's your what's your feeling on the now in comedy man i i think it's beautiful these kids have uh stretched the boundaries uh where comedy can go absolutely you know i'm I'm not one of them old school motherfuckers hating anything new nigga i love them 85 south boys nigga they yes. doing the damn very thing. funny dc young they fly doing the damn carlos thing. and uh yeah, chico yeah. very funny yeah, guys yeah man. yeah they hot uh so no, I, I'm I'm trying to get involved, and in you know I'm I've just put together my first uh, podcast. Good shit, man. And uh, I'm I'm gonna try to jump into the realm, you know, and see see what my creative juices yeah. can add to why, these ways. Why not? Why not? Yeah, you know I mean, look, it's the when you when you talk about being creative, it's 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 always exercising that muscle that we love to use in the first place, man. You know, you you doing anything when you're in position to talk and and be personable is a fucking great thing. It's, there's, there is no bad to it. So uh, putting a microphone in front of your face, you're only going to get the sign of good. And you look, you get to see, you see what's working, right? You see what all of these, uh, the younger, this younger generation has has basically put in front of us and showed us that works. So so why not do it? You know, all you got to do is just make sure it's that thing that you're going to fucking love and be happy with. That's what this is. Yeah. I love the podcast because I just get to talk to people that I truly embrace. Like, for me, it, there's nothing better. There's nothing better, That's and right. I get to learn more. I mean, you telling me you were fucking homeless, you telling me that Mitzi's the one that got you the goddamn uh, place when you said that you were homeless. I mean, the world uh, in which Malcolm and Nettie started and, and you know, the, the things that you held on to, the little life nuggets that mom told you, uh, you know, that your, your, your uncle told you, you know, when you, I listen, this, this shit like that is entertaining to me. Um, I want to go back now to to just the people that were in your class when you started. Who was in your class, right? Like, what was the what were the what were the comics uh, that you feel shared the same timeline in which you were fucking banging out the goddamn bando um, with 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 your fucking success? Who else was around at that time? Um, Robin Harris, mm-hmm. um, Steve Harvey. Cedric the Entertainer, uh, Martin, um, Jamie Foxx, you know, Bernie, Bernie Mac. How does that make you feel though now when you look back and you look at all of those that were around then that now share that, that stardom, right? Mm -hmm. That, that share that, that fucking, we made it. Uh, is it is it a little mind blowing or surreal to you? No, man. You know, I would have never left Kansas City unless I knew that I could do it. You know what I mean? I mean, it's mind back. It's it's mind baggling in the sense that, damn, we all hit. You know what I mean? Every everybody from yeah. my class hit. Nigga, there hit. was That's nobody like, in you- my motherfucking class. That was lame. Cause we had all been doing stand-up for 10, 10, 10, 15 years before we hit. You know what I mean? Before wow. we hit big, you know what I mean? So we we had put the work in, the work wow. in, the work in. Before Def Jam came, none of none of us was on motherfucker to tonight's show. Remember back in the days, back in the 70s, when Richard and all of them was hitting, nigga, you had to do a tonight show set in order to hit. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. that that wasn't we didn't have that opportunity because it was too many of us niggas, and they that's gonna yeah. say they Hollywood was yeah. only one nigga at a time, one nigga at a time. Now, goddamn it, we gonna go from Richard to Eddie Murphy, and no more niggas. <laughs> but nigga, we came out, we came out fine, nigga. They had to say, goddamn it, these niggas is good. <laughs> Where, Where they, they come from? from? So, nigga, so Martin, many. Martin hit me up, nigga. Martin is a genius. 
I had I had my first half hour HBO special, right? And nigga, I was at the comedy store one night. Martin came over, was like, hey, Ed, I got this new show, Def Jam. Won't you come and do it? I'm like, nigga, I already got a half hour. So I'm gonna do five minutes on Def Jam folks. He like, you silly motherfucker. Don't nobody know who you is. You do five minutes on Def Jam, blow the spot up, they gonna be waiting to see your special. I said, this nigga's a genius. <laughs> <laughs> so I flew to New York, nigga. Now, remember the outfit that I had on, on Def Jam? Hell yeah. I had on some blue suede boots. Yes. Some Chicago bull sweats and a camouflage jacket and a big old motherfucking Jamaican hat. Your big hat. Now, yeah. motherfuckers like, why the fuck did he wear that? Because New York, Everybody said New York is a tough crowd. Like they, they, they boo motherfuckers. I said, all right, cook. I said, I'm going to come out looking like the strangest nigga on earth. And before they knew what hit them, the jokes is lighting them up. Yeah, yeah. Because when I walked out on stage, everybody like, what kind of nigga is this? And it's too late, nigga. I'm already in there. I'm already in there. Yeah, yeah. I got your attention, but now I'm going to hit you with the, I'm going to hit you with this performance. You're yeah. going to get these jokes now. And you're not going to forget me. Uh -uh. You're not going to forget me. And you're going to remember this name when I walk off. When I did Michael stage. Jackson on crack, nigga, that was the end. It was it. It yeah. was over. Yeah. What do you mean? Deaf Comedy Jam All-Stars. Deaf Comedy Jam Classic. Deaf Comedy Jam History. Mm -hmm. uh, when you talk about your class, you talk about all of those individuals. I want to my listeners. I mean, goddamn, man. You know. Yeah. You look back at your surroundings, you're a product of what you're around. Your environment yeah. plays a major role. That environment breeded nothing but, but greatness. Fucking successful. Because iron shoppers, iron, nigga. Iron shoppers, yes. iron. Nigga, you going on stage after any one of them motherfuckers at the comedy store or the comedy act theater, nigga, you like, I better bring my A game. Wow. And that's wow. every night you got to bring your A game, A game. And then you have the class before us popping in. Wow. You know what I mean? You got an Eddie Murphy popping in. I had to follow Eddie Murphy one night. And nigga, they said Eddie Murphy. Then they said Eddie Griffin. Ugh. And they like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> and nigga, I told into that ass and got a standing ovation. I mean, the, these are these are the defining moments, right? Yeah. Um, who is your, give me your top three. My top three? top three? Yeah. Richard Pryor. Mm -hmm. George Carlin. Oh, good one. Good one. And Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. I love it. Mm -hmm. I love it. Strong. Mm -hmm. I like you had Carlin in there too, you know? Hell yeah. Carlin, Carlin was a wordsmith. Yeah. Smart. That motherfucker was a wordsmith. He could twist the word three times a Sunday. Very smart. Yes. Very, very, very smart. Carlin. He was well read, as they say. Yes. Yes, you picked up a couple of papers uh, in his time. Yes, he read. Yes, read and figured out some shit. That's that's exactly yeah. what he did. Um, right now, man, is there any more wants for you in the business? Is there is there anything that you feel you want to do that you haven't done? Mm. Yeah, there's an Oscar in my future. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and it's gonna be a Oscar Robinson. So I'm gonna have a couple of hot dogs after this. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, uh, yeah, I just, you no, know, I'd, I'd like to do a, a heavy, heavy, heavy dramatic piece. And I'm not, mm -hmm. you know, looking for no award, but I just really want to dwell into uh, uh, that, that, that side of acting uh, real strong. So, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's what that's I've been comments, I feel like it's the, that's, that's, I mean, it's a layup. For, for comics. I feel like, you know, we we all have that. We all got that ability to turn it on and off when it comes into uh acting, when it comes into portraying something, you know, because we we've we've dealt with so yeah. much shit. So, you know, the, the comedy is the hard part. That's the hard part. The the going serious, that's the easy part. Uh, so, you know, when you say that I I get it yeah. instantly. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm I'm ready for some of that easy work. Yeah, we have, we have we have too much too much to pull from too many reasons of why, um, you know, man, I I love that when I you know I referred to you as you look good. I said you just look happy. Like there, there's something there's something going on. And the first thing you said is my mm -hmm. wife. You know, my my wife, my family. It was it was all based off of you know that that thing around. Yes, you, you. got to have a proper um, core, man. If your core is is weak, then you're gonna be weak. Yeah. 
How long? How long have you been married? Nine years. Nine years, man. Good shit. Congrats. Yeah. An example. Yeah. An example of 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 what happiness is and what it can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need more like you. We need more more out there that are living in bliss just because they have ground to stand on and someone to share that ground with. I think that's dope as fuck. Um, I got to go into a, a couple more questions, man, but you're, you're fucking, you're answering so many. It's, it's just, I, I love the comedy. I love the comedy fucking class mm-hmm. reference that you came up with. Um, is there anybody in stand-up comedy that you, like I can say from back then, right, when we talk about uh, all that you were around, was there anybody in your younger years that you tried to pattern yourself after? How did you come up with, like, your style, right? Like, before before it was honed in, in yours, um, was there a world of, of doing what I see and I'm trying to be something else other than uh, me. shit. I was trying to be mud bone. Okay. Mud bone okay. is where uh, most of uh, my early material. I don't. I don't have to do is just do that character, and that character just wrote material. Uh huh. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah, I was trying to. I was trying to be mud bone, one of Rich's characters. Yeah, I was about to say yeah, for the audience, Mudbone is uh yeah. is a character that Richard referred to in stand up. I remember yeah. back in seventeen oh three, I was alive then. A lot of motherfuckers don't believe it, but I was. Yeah, damn. See, because damn. um seventeen oh three, that's when the government tried to kill all the niggas, but the niggas was too fast. <laughs> they had tennis shoes before tennis shoes was made. How did you how did you get out of that? How did you what is it that that got you out of that? It made you say you can be Eddie. It was uh, it was a night in in Kansas City, Missouri. I was at uh, at uh, uh, I had this comedy room because uh, uh, the first night I went on stage, I got I got I got banned. <laughs> they said I was too blue. I didn't even know what the fuck blue meant, but you know I was too blue and I got banned the first night I ever ever did stand up. But I got a standing ovation after doing forty five minutes off the top of the dome. So I was hooked right then and then. Wow. So I've been opportunity spirit. I went down to 18th and Vine where the jazz clubs are. And I asked them, I said, what's your slow night? They said, Tuesday. I said, okay, uh, how about if I do comedy down here on Tuesday? I said, I don't see nobody here. So if I bring two people, y'all winning. So anyway, shit blew up. Da, da, da. So I was on stage one night doing the mud bone shit that I got. And somebody down there said, hey, nigga, do you. Ooh. You understand Ooh. me? So Ooh. the challenge yeah. was put forth. That's why audiences are key to, to stand-up. That's why stand-up is the roughest art form you ever want to be in because it's mental combat with the audience at times. So motherfucker said, do you. And I had to stop and look at this motherfucker. And you know, I got a healthy ego. So I, I said, well then, I'm doing me now, son of a bitch. And that's how it started. That's how it started. And then I, I, the joke started flowing through my voice. And then I'm hearing laughter because I'm being me. Mm-hmm. It was Light over bulb. after that. Light bulb moment. Well, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you it was over this particular episode on this podcast, but I'm gonna tell you what you have been doing. Uh, and that's you. Right, you don't get the fucking forty years. You don't. You don't get the thirty-eight going on forty years uh, without doing you, um, my friend. I will say, you know, it's it's because of the doors that you've kicked open, because of the ground that you have broken, um, that people like myself and so many others are able to do this at the level that we do it at. We don't get here without your role work, man. And, you know, another reason for this podcast is to give the ones flowers that deserve it. And you give it to them while they're here. 
if you're not educated on uh on Eddie Griffin and his specials, man, do yourself a favor. Go go look up Eddie Griffin. Go look up his HBO half hour. Go go look up Eddie Griffin on Deaf Comedy Jam. Uh go, go look at the world of of television. Go look at the world of of film when Eddie was starring in movies and and like I said, Undercover Brother was which is one of my favorite movies of all time. But go and just go look at the trajectory and what I want people to understand. Um, he said it. You know, there's a world where only only two black uh, comedic stars are allowed to kind of play at the same time. That's how Hollywood has kind of had it. This particular class that he's talking about and referring to, everybody, everybody got on. And they all had that moment of, of, of comedic stardom on stage and off the stage, whether it was television and film or one or the other. But those that had did it and got to do both, that list is extremely small, man. And you're on that list, dude. Um, kudos to you. I appreciate you. I am forever a fan, and uh, I can't wait to see you when you do get to year 40. And I got to fucking know about it now, because I got to be in the goddamn house if you are performing somewhere, knowing what the hell that means, man. I, I, I genuinely, genuinely thank you for giving me the time, man, and more importantly, letting us pick your goddamn mind. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Comedy Gold Mines. You know what we do here. Get inside the minds of brilliant comedians today, what was no different, Eddie Griffin. Thank you, dude. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, brother. <laughs> Blessings to you, your family. Good luck to your son. I can't wait to see him at the top. When that time comes, the world will know. Uh, and, man, kudos and shout-out to your wife, keeping a smile on your goddamn face. Your skin look good. You look fucking healthy. That's right. And that's because there ain't no negativity around in the shows, brother. If you're in Vegas, check my guy out. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. I love you, brother. Comedy Goldmines is a serious XM and LOL audio production. Executive produced by Kevin Hart, Ty Randolph, and Eric Weil. With Tastemakers Media, Emil Garner, and Ian McDonald. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispie, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.